Oh, fuck. Did we join a yoga cult? We thought it was an organization that was changing the world through yoga because the yoga felt so amazing. And that's what the quote methodology was supposed to help us do. But the deeper we got in, the more indoctrinated we became. We've learned a lot since then about manipulation, coercion, abusive power, and undue influence. Be a yes. Don't even get me started. And we're going to share it with you here. Super casual style, not fancy. It's just us and our opinions and true stories. We are allowed to speak our truth and we hope this helps people. Opinions expressed on Journey into Yoga Cults are just that, views and opinions, and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the podcast or the hosts. Stories told by hosts and guests are their own personal experiences, viewpoints, and perspectives. Any content provided by our hosts, guests, sponsors, or authors are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, group, club, organization, institution, corporation, business, individual, or anyone. All right, welcome to our Q and A episode of Journey into Yoga Cults. I'm Rachel. I'm Shelly, and Melissa is on mute because she's driving to her microphone. Melissa's <laughs> here too. Um, so we're all here today, and we're going to answer some questions that have been sent in. We're so excited to talk about some of these with you guys. Yes, yes. So. Without further, without further ado, um, let's see, let's start, let's start with a good one. Like, let's just go right for it. I like this question because I just like it. Mm. How can we protect others from Baron? <laughs> Jeez. Whew. What do you think, Rachel? Um, speak, I think people need to start speaking up more. Um, if you're too scared, if you're too, whatever is going on for you and need some more time to heal, to like speak up in public, um, send people this podcast. Like, I think the more awareness that is out there about this organization and him, the better. Um, if you're too afraid to be public, have private conversations with people. Um, Absolutely. And I, I think Especially the more people. we can talk yeah. about this, the better. Go ahead, yep. Shelly. Oh, I agree with you a hundred percent. Especially, you know, like it doesn't. You don't have to be telling people on. You don't have to make your own podcast and tell people about it. Like just talking to maybe students who ask you questions or um, friends and family members. Just. It's kind of like how we used to get other people involved, but the opposite. <laughs> just, just do the opposite. Just do, do um, the same thing, just say something different. It's true though. It's like, hmm. I used to talk, you know, and I, I think these conversations are more challenging. Um, I, I actually have a hard time having the conversations now. I just send people to this podcast. Like people yeah. are like, wait, what happened? I'm like, here, you go listen to this. Totally. That's what I do. I send people like, listen to our podcast or listen to these other podcasts, or here's an audio book. Like, um, I think the other ways we protect people is just in like understanding the red flags. Yep. Um, and also sharing those red flags with people be like, Hey, yeah, like that, that's kind of a red flag. That doesn't seem okay to do or you know I think just asking loving and compassionate questions of maybe people that are that are still in or might be wanting to like if someone's in your life yeah. and you're like I found I you've done stuff with Baron I'm gonna go to level one what do you think um be honest and yeah I, I think what you said about asking loving questions too like I think the more that the people who've come out of this and the people who are still in that there's like a hard us versus them, then, then mm. we're not safe for people to, I think, stay safe for people, you know, like have compassion for people that are still in, um, 
even if you're disagreeing with what they're doing, um, still somehow let them know that when and if they come out, you're here. Yeah, I think that's great. I, ha- I had a great um, chat with a friend too, who is in for a while also, but mm-hmm. I compared, and maybe I heard it from one of you guys. I seriously, sometimes all blends together, all this, you know, kind of work. Yes. And I, this analogy of like, well, if there was a, re- a local restaurant or a restaurant you were going to and you got food poisoning, it would stick with you and you'd be like, I can't go back there. But then what yes. if multiple other people kept getting food poisoning from the same restaurant? And then there's one person who's never gotten food poisoning is like, well, that's never happened to me. I love it there. But so many more people keep leaving reviews that they get food poisoning at this restaurant and the restaurant's not doing anything about it. It's, it's like that. So, you know, like I, I've had experiences like that where someone's like, Oh, let's go here. And I'm like, Ooh, no, uh, uh, that I still have a vivid memory of not a good night after eating dinner there. (laughs) And usually the people are like, Oh yeah, totally. Let's go somewhere else. So it's like similar approach, man. Yeah. So the rest of the questions are really affiliate focused. So I'll ask each of them. And I know that we had promised an episode on affiliation when Melissa was here too. So we can, I think, sort of segue these into affiliate questions. So one that's really for the two of you is why affiliate in the first place? What's the draw? What are the benefits? And I know it's changed over the years, but just as you all remember it, why affiliate? What were the benefits? I'm here. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. Well, um, Melissa, why don't you start with this one? Well, there's the like, you know, if you kind of put yourself in the mindset of why we affiliated before, right? Because right now I don't see any purpose in affiliation or any benefit whatsoever. But that's, you know, a completely new perspective, obviously. Um, At the time, I actually had a hard time with it because, you know, I have a smaller studio and I was like, I need to justify every expense that I make. When I did, it was when I became like more and more in and I was like in fit and leading programs and everything. And I felt like, okay, well, I have to kind of, I have to, I felt like the kind of pressure of being an affiliate studio because what am I doing if I'm not an affiliate studio? Um, I'm going to guess part of the draw is a lot of people that I saw like go when I was on team, go through level one, level two, level three, whatever fit and wanted to open a studio. The draw for them seemed to be like the validation that, you know, if they had the, the Baptiste name on their studio or the affiliate uh, affiliated with it, that they, there was a level of validation there um, from Mm -hmm. Baron, maybe even if, you know, they themselves weren't an experienced teacher or well-known. It was like, it was some kind of, uh, credibility that they got from being an affiliate. That's what I observed. Now I I think it's worthless. I would, I would agree with that observation. Um, and also it was like, if you were an affiliate, you get to host programs. There's all these benefits. But you don't get paid for. You get to get paid for. In other words, cancel, you have to cancel all your classes and pick yeah. up and piss off your actual students. Who are the ones actually keeping your doors open? Right. right. Yeah. To charge them more money for a high ticket program that you're not going to see any um, benefit of as a studio owner. So you're, you're basically paying for the right to be another funnel. You're paying for the right to funnel people into uh, week-longs with Baron. Um, and you're paying to funnel people into, um, what do you call it, those programs? Yeah. Fit now, right? Sure. Fit, Fit funnel and now. And, and like, you're pay- like you mentioned, it's like you're paying for the recognition and more opportunities is what Mm -hmm. is promised to you. Like if you're an affiliate owner, more than likely, if you want to assist a program, you will, you will be chosen over 
other more qualified people. Right. Or like a lot of, um, oh God, someone, one of our guests had a great word for it. I can't remember who. Pay to play? It was like, what? (laughs) Pay to play? Pay to play kind of, but you just got more opportunities. If you pay, if you were an affiliate, you got more opportunities within the organization. Yeah. It's, it's true. And I think affiliation is kind of the ultimate, like I never owned a studio, but there was a while when I thought about doing it. And of course I would have been an affiliate because I never thought not to be. And it's just, we were so deeply indoctrinated that it's like, oh, I have to be an affiliate because I have to sacrifice everything I have to spread Baptiste yoga in the world. I I really thought that that was, yes. Yeah. And that end the belonging, like the belong, the sense of belonging and the desire to belong is become so strong that, yeah. like you said, it's not, it's like, oh, why would I not be a, an affiliate? Cause I, I belong here. Yeah. Um, but you know, now, and you've talked about this Shelly is like the, um, you know, person on the inside working for the, the Institute is that there really is no benefit to like the certification affiliation. You got to be a part of the Facebook group, like a big yeah. fucking deal. But, you know, really that was the most valuable thing to me is being connected to the other studio owners so we could have our dialogues. But yeah. I had to pay for that to have yeah. dialogues and get advice from other studio owners or support or help yeah. from other shoot. There was never any financial um, kind of, conversation about what it would take to be a studio owner from Baptiste itself and zero business, zero business. You're paying to be an affiliate for this business and they'd give you zero business education or information or best practices of running a yoga studio. Like, but they presume that really anybody can do it, you know, that it's the practice. And I remember Baron saying like, verbatim it's about the practice you know right um, so they if you say can- things like how do you run the business from true north put your, like they just they ask how to run a business and it's like it's like <laughs> it's like and they're like how do you open a studio well you put you start by grounding like earth and <laughs> but you put your attention on what you want to have happen, to have happen and, and be for it for it yeah and you give up fear you give up that you don't have enough money. You give up that you don't know jack shit about business. I'll, I'll have to say that like from observing the most successful studio owners were the people who had some kind of previous business ownership. Uh, they had yeah. some kind of savvy and or they had some individual wealth or a relative with some individual wealth. And we all have our knowledge, not we all, but many of us know, I'm gonna stop saying everybody knows because it's true that not everybody knows. Many of us know that many studio owners just had some individual wealth, but that was never talked about, right? The fact that this is a hobby or that you're not making any money from it actually. So like for someone like me, and I'm not, I know I'm not alone that I actually, this had to be my livelihood. There was no other livelihood. I was not married at the time. I didn't have any other income. This had to be my income. It, it could have easily gone very, very wrong where I could have become bankrupt very, very easily, but I had some previous experience um anyway I know I'm not alone in that either no you're not and it's so interesting because I meant I know I mentioned to this this to you guys before we jumped on but how people who are affluent like you just described are targeted to open affiliates yeah and then if people who aren't affluent or an affluent spouse or family yeah, or, don't or have a trust that, fund or yeah. Are interested. It is, it is very much implied to do whatever it takes to be a yes for something, to mortgage your home, to yes. like really put yourself in a not great place financially mm-hmm. to open a yoga studio. Yeah. Well, tell us about that story. You were just telling us off the 
recording. So I had lunch with a former, a former teacher at the studio I used to own. She's a, a good friend now. And we, it's, I'm just so grateful for her and her, the connection we have now, but she mentioned to me, she had had a meal. I mean, probably now two years ago, it was right before, I think the fall before COVID hit and the studio, the now studio owner of the former studio I owned was opening a second space. And she was like, my friend was like, oh, wow, like good for you. Your, your current studio must be doing really well. Um, like financially to be able to open a second studio, like that's awesome. And the owner was like, um, no. And she was like, oh, well then why are you opening a second space? And my friend said her face like kind of changed and she got super defensive and was like, well, I have to spread the word of Baptiste yoga and it's important to change the world through Baptiste yoga. And this is just what I have to do. It's my purpose and my calling. And they're mortgaging their home against the studio. They're like, you know, like making financial decisions that maybe they shouldn't if their current studio isn't making money. Yeah. And this is not, not just them. It's many people who have kids who you need to go to college and, you know, they're using their equity to do this, you know, opening another studio or stretching themselves thin or whatever. But, um, I, what are you talking to your pet? I just, <laughs> okay. No, <laughs> no, I usually am not this time. Okay. Go, go, go Here, are you talking to me? Um, oh, well, I was just going to say the other thing about, <laughs> um, affiliate, uh, topic that we've gotten questions about is what if you work for an affiliate and the affiliate is still on board very much with Baptiste yoga, it's still an affiliate studio, but you are now, um, changing the way you feel about it and what to do. Right. And so anything from like what to, how to relate to the studio owner and what to teach. So, um, I thought we could spend a couple, couple minutes on, on that question. Cause I know we've got yes. it. Before, and that same question in different that, forms. Before we do that, I want to touch back on the question we were just answering is that people say, why be an affiliate? What are the benefits? And reading some of these questions about affiliates, there's undertones that somehow there's some secret benefits that these studio owners are getting away with. And there just aren't. No, they're there not. just aren't. No. There, there aren't. There aren't. No. You know, people are asking about kickbacks. People are asking, I mean, yes, maybe they'll receive a discount or a hundred bucks for sending someone to a program. There've been different things over the years, Yeah. but as far as these evil studio owners doing bad stuff for kickbacks, it's just not what happened. Well, Um, here's what I know. I did get a $200 kickback for each person that went to level one and I just turned around and gave it right back to them. Um, because I wasn't doing it for the kickback. I was doing it because I thought it was going to be great for their growth, you know? Um, And then the other thing that I got was, like I said, the Facebook group and then the, on the website was the directory. That is literally it, literally it. And I, you know, I, I did get some, like a little preferential treatment here and there, but nothing like nothing that was like amounted to any money, (laughs) you know, like maybe like, Okay, you're on core team. Okay, which means I get to work, you know, for really cheap. Which means um, you get to work for free, but with a title. Yeah, but really, like, I think I can't speak for everyone, but there are a lot of us who are just genuinely doing it because we thought it was the right thing to do. I don't think that there's anybody out there who's not. I, think I do. That- I do. Which oh, is just think for a moment. There are some leaders, let's say, out there, and that in their own right are are abusive, whether they think they are or not, whether they are trying to be or not, they've kind of developed a barren uh, way of being that then turns around and is abusive to their employees, teachers. Well, yes, but I'm I'm talking about financials. I don't think there's any way to like be diabolical with being an affiliate. I don't think that there's, I don't know. I mean, yes. And that's actually, can we go into this one next? Because people asked 
about that, they said they want to hear about that, what you're talking about, Melissa, sort of yeah. the abusive tactics trickle down at studio level. And yeah. I'll tell you all, we don't talk about this a lot because we yeah. are, the three of us are very much in agreement that the arrows need to be pointing st- straight at Baron, And that if we yes. are looking at individual studios and starting to nitpick teachers apart, then that's exactly what he wants, right? He's like, oh, but she's doing this. And of course, lots of, most of these people are women and she's doing this where it's like, yeah, problematic stuff happens at studio level. Yeah. And we really want to keep the focus where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, and, and a, the fact that we're getting so many questions and comments from people that have never actually been in a training with Baron, they've only done a training yeah. with their affiliate studio, or they've only been teaching with their affiliate and don't have another experience other than that, but they're reporting the same kind of shit. Like, and when I say shit, like let's say specifically uh, manipulation, coercion, the kind of inquiry that draws intentionally draws out trauma and let leaves people often re-traumatized and just putting them in that situation uh, in the first place without a therapist. Those kind of things, mm-hmm. um, free labor practices, t- taking advantage of people by using terms like you know, trust the process in order to string people along or make them feel like they're not good enough um, or be a yes to convince them to spend their weekend time volunteering for this or for that. Those are the kind of things that originate at the top with Barron and the Institute, which is, let's face it, it's Barron and people who are willing to, um, who are coerced into um, carrying out his you know, narcissistic desires. Um, the Institute slash Baron, same thing. Um, that's where it originates. And some of the leaders that have gotten really good at modeling that are some of the worst abusers also. But yep. we're not naming names, like you said, because we want to point to the fact that it comes from Baron. Exactly. Exactly. And all of, and you mentioned some really important things and these are like the abusive tactics that do happen at studios another one I want to mention um if your studio is encouraging you to love bomb people to get them to sign up for teacher training you know that that was a big one that was always for me it's like wait a minute why why does everyone need to come to teacher training what it it was always the big push at the studio right like if you see anybody who has good practice or if you see this or see that it's like there's value in teacher training don't get me wrong but when it's like everything that's focused on I think from the studio owner that's problematic well I can speak to that too um sorry Rachel the like I I felt that same way honestly I was like okay let's invite these people to teacher training because whether they and this was my honest earnest belief okay that these people if they come to teacher training whether they want to teach or not they are going to get a a development a personal development experience that's going to be valuable to them in their lives and that was my honest to God sincere belief and that's why I asked other teachers, and I did this myself, to reach out to people and invite them in because I thought, you know what, this is a, this, they're going to benefit a lot from this. This is going to be great for them. So just to kind of clarify that, that I I didn't say go love bomb people, but that's what we were doing. But I'm clear that my intention was good. Now I see it like, okay, intention, good or bad, you're still doing the same thing. But I do think there is a distinction that is like some like are very clearly there to only manipulate and gain more money. But I do think most of us came from the sincere belief that this is going to be good for them. Well, and it's how it was used on us, not Mm -hmm. to displace the blame or displace the responsibility of doing that. But it was so used on us. I mean, I have memories as you're talking of like, someone let's just set the name <laughs> I immediately try to guess it in my mind um, just so you know I'm like who are we programs being like 
oh, what do you know about that, you know, participant and student? They, God, they could be really good on team. Like, look at them and their way of being and all yes. of that. And like, yes. let's, let's work on them and get them on team. They would be so great. And so it was, it's like the tactic is used and starts at programs. And I remember that happening. So of course, if it's like, oh, so-and-so came up to me and they're like this higher up person or this person I admire, and they think I'd make a great yoga teacher. I'd never thought about it before. Maybe I'll go and do it. So it's, it is the intention isn't there, but it was used on us a lot. It was, it was used on us and, and we, yeah. thought it was good so we did it to other people and yeah it's and to add on to that this is really going to the question of of you know people asking what happens in the studio that's harmful is you know we're trained if somebody says oh I can't afford teacher training what do we what what do we do ladies like we we talk to them about what they're yes for and what they can give up and what they're ready for now like yeah. we three think so for those of you who are asking, you know, what about the methodology is negative? How is it used harmfully in the studios? The three themes flipped and used against people happens at studio level, at least did at my studio all the time. And that it, that's mm -hmm. something to look for. And that's something not to do, right? Like if somebody has a boundary and they say, I can't afford it. You're like, I totally get it. Maybe another time if it feels comfortable to you, right? Like it's not. What can you give up around money? Oh, I've heard people say that they're, um, that they were told like, just trust the money will show up, mm. you know, and it does not work that way. You cannot love and light the money into your bank account nope. if it's not there and it's not coming, you know? Um, so yeah, that kind of stuff is fucked up, but I also do believe those people had the right intentions too. They totally believed in that. And that's problematic. Yeah, you want to believe I mean, in we, that, that's I, fine. But don't don't force that on other people. Right. It, it's listening to boundaries. So we weren't, we were taught to push boundaries. Yes. And yeah. honor oh my God, totally. And in that, every way, right? In physical yeah. ways, physical boundaries, you're taught to let go in like psychological boundaries, like expose your traumas, expose your dark secrets. So basically you're told to drop boundaries. Physical mm -hmm. boundaries. Taught we're to, taught yeah. To ask if people have them. We're taught to just touch them. So these things happen in studios. There's there's no honoring boundaries. Yeah. There's putting yeah. Them. yeah. So mm -hmm. that's something you're teaching still in studio level, like Melissa was talking about. Like, what can you do? It's like instead of teaching from the methodology, quote unquote, maybe practice really like listening and honoring what people's boundaries are. Cause they'll tell you if you ask, or maybe you don't have to ask. Well, yeah, I remember um, Rachel Bernstein said, you know, that like, you can just, you know, start to teach kind of with a different tone or intention where you're really allowing people to have their own agency and make their own choices. But yes, you can definitely do that. But what if you're in a studio and here are the different scenarios that you're your studio owner is like, we teach journey into power only. That's all you teach. Um, I mean, mm. this is, this is definitely a, question. a possibility. <laughs> okay. It's a great question. I, okay, so one thing that I have to say about journey into power, the sequence, the sequence in itself is not bad. There's a, it's good. It's just, but Baron didn't invent it. It's not, you know, his sequence. Um, it's a sequence that, that feels good in the body. Right. And there are, there are reasons why it's pretty, you know, touches every kind of part of the body, every plane of movement. Um, but it's not the end all be all. It's not the only way to do it. But many people have been programmed, indoctrinated, convinced that that journey into power is it. So why veer? Why reinvent the wheel? Why veer off something that works? Mm -hmm. But if your studio owner believes that that is the end all be all, can you still teach that sequence and also allow people to have their own agency, right? Choose like maybe a variation and make that very available to them. Not just say you can modify, you can adapt, but 
maybe give actual adaptations Mm. or give actual permission versus kind of the idea of permission to adapt, but have people do, um, like you said, do what you must. If you can, you must. That's the kind of stuff, the coercive, controlling, controlling, manipulative stuff that we want to kind of start rooting out that that's the problem. Yep. I just don't feel at all. Just that question of like, how can I do this? Can I do this? It's like, I have, no, I, I can't even begin to answer that question for someone else. That's right. True. That's a good thing to say as a teacher. Yeah, I, right. I cannot like, tell all, you how to do your practice. Well, not even practice, Melissa, about like somebody asking, how do I, can I teach this? It's like, I don't know. Like that's all in you, right? Like, because mm-hmm. all three of us, right? Just only the three of us have had such different experiences with teaching and like, somebody asking, can I continue to teach JIP? That's a situation I'm in. It's like, that's personal stuff. I, I, you know, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And I'm not trying to say like, there's a certain formula that you need to follow. Like if you need to just get out of there, just get out of there and go do something totally different. Or if you need to quit teaching, quit teaching, but in the situation that somebody can't or doesn't want to quit teaching and they don't have another option, but this Baptiste, very Baptiste studio. Mm-hmm. What can you do inside that? You know, um, yeah. if you work for somebody, you kind of have to go by what they, their guidelines. But if, if you're an employee, not an independent, if you're an employee, employee, if you're a contractor, uh-uh. yeah, a whole other can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's another story, but like whether you're a contractor or, or an employee, you still have to kind of follow the guidelines of whatever the studio owner puts forward. You know, like if, if they're like, we assist in every class at this studio, like it's up to you. You can't just go rogue, you know, I mean, you can, but you're going to get fired eventually, you know, but if, if the question is how can I be in integrity with myself and still teach here? I mean, it's either has to be like, okay, I have to have a conversation. I don't feel comfortable with this. Um, That brings along a lot of emotional labor. Maybe you may or may not be willing to do that. But if you have to teach (laughs) you, there's no way out. Like, let's say you had need this income. You have to teach. Can you find a way to give people their own agency instead of seeing where like the methodology is manipulative? It's not the words themselves, but how they're used. Like be a yes for being able to do the thing you don't want to do or step out of your comfort zone. No, don't step out of your comfort zone. There's a reason why you're uncomfortable. Stop trying to break down people's cognitive thinking. Stop trying to convince them well and I think it's just it's just like taking this information but also like really stepping back from um the methodology and the jargon and the thought stopping cliches and really think about what you're saying instead of just repeating what you heard other teachers say or repeating what you were told to memorize stopping and being like why am I saying this? Am I just saying it because I was told to memorize it? And that's just what everybody says in this community. Do I really know what I'm saying and why I'm saying it? And I need to analyze some of this and be like, Hmm, that actually doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've, if you've learned to do this, like you're saying, because, and just know that you were taught to not question and just repeat, because that's exactly how they wanted you to feel. Like, I don't have to question. I just have to say these things. Then start to question what they mean. And if you're like Mm -hmm. me and you've made them mean sense, because I did, I did the mental gymnastics to make them make sense to me. (laughs) Right. Right. It's going to be a whole different process to go. Yeah. Okay. Wait a second. There is some truth to being, you know, a yes in terms of 
get clear about what you are for, but also get clear on, you don't always have to be a yes. It's okay to feel like, I don't know what I'm for. I am completely just a no for everything right now. That, that is okay. So leaving room for things to be gray area. If you see that there can only be a yes or a no or a black or a white situation, that is very much cult-like thinking. And you want to kind of open your mind up to a little more gray area thinking. Mm-hmm. I have a quite another question for you all. So people teaching in studios, say teaching Baptiste yoga, training, everything, it's all that they've done. Yeah. They can't afford to go to another... T- training. Yeah. Um, what like inexpensive, easily accessible things can people do to kind of be like, Oh, like I've got to get some more depth or I'm interested in doing something else. What do you think? I think that, yeah, Mm. such a good question. Well, I think self-education is really, really good and really important. Um, I, a couple things like you could ask a different teacher that you think is more kind of well-rounded if you can audit their training. In other words, like take it for cheaper or something like that. In other words, like I was in a yoga cult and I need to re-educate myself. Could I audit your training or take it for a discount or something? That's one option, but also then starting to read some books and I have some recommendations to understand, you know, truly understand why we do these poses, what they do for the body, um, what contraindications there are, what modifications there are, and what the actual history of yoga is. So you can start to, it starts to become clear why we're doing it and what we're doing. And then you can go like, oh, okay, I can easily adapt this sequence. Will you link those in show notes, Melissa? Yeah, I will. Yeah. I just rewrote my whole teacher training, you know, that was completely Baptiste before. And I threw the whole thing. I literally didn't keep anything because I realized that there was nothing of value there. Um, You know, you could say like true North alignment, like there's nothing really wrong that wrong about it other than it's there's no explanation as to what those words mean. It was just about repeating these cues, you know, ground down like Mm -hmm. earth. There's no real like understanding about it um, anatomically, uh, um, somatically. Um, So yeah, I'm writing, rewriting the whole thing. It's like, it's a whole different way of understanding versus just repeating rhetoric. And that's, it too right like this whole thing coming apart like it's not easy no like I, I I know that for teachers studio owners it's like yeah it's a pain in the ass to rewrite your entire teacher training um yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I think like oh gosh like some people look at, at what we're talking about and pointing to and they think of like all the things they'll have to do and it can be so overwhelming like I just mm-hmm. can't even look mm-hmm. yeah it is it's daunting yeah but also, you know, knowing that it's like a, it can, it can be, it doesn't have to be instant. It can be in stages. It can be a process. You know, I, the last thing you want to do after being in a mm-hmm. high control group is stress yourself out. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. I think my biggest message to my yoga students these days is like yoga shouldn't be stressful. like if you're stressing your body out in a pose then we should we need to rethink that and if you're stressing your mind out and your emotions out in a pose we need to rethink that yeah if you're stressing out because you're feeling pushed to do more yoga by your yoga studio or a teacher oh my god something red flag red flag. Okay. I have a little anecdote about that, that I, another, um, studio owner that I consulted when I was opening my, my current studio is told me that they do, um, a system where they check in on, um, their teachers once a month to see how frequently they were taking classes at the studio. Mm -hmm. And then they would kind of 
you know, show them the report at the end of the month. And there was such a high level of pressure on them to come to, to classes that the ones that weren't measuring up, there were like always tears about it. Like people were in tears. And I was like, wow. I remember thinking like, why are they like crying? Like they couldn't go to, you know, enough yoga classes, but then like read between the lines that they were being, you know, pressured to think that they needed to show up to a certain degree. And if they, if not, they were a piece of shit. No, like that. Uh, yeah, I un- same. God, hate. I like literally bleh, makes me want to throw up. Yeah. When I owned my studio, we did that, and yeah. it is one of my biggest regrets. Like, yeah. and I think I've talked about this in some previous in a previous episode where we had a person who did that. They tracked how much our teachers would um, practice, and if they weren't wow. practicing to what they agreed to. They got a talking to and all of that. And it literally, I, it makes me sick and I'm so sorry to anyone out there listening. If this was done to you at my studio, it's, it is just a horrible pressury, weird tactic and yoga should not be that way. Like, yeah, nothing should be that way. No. If, if you're in a community, you shouldn't be right. coerced and forced and shamed. If you're not right. there mm-hmm. enough, when you have real life shit happening. Yeah. Like yeah. I, like, especially now it's like these teachers in my life, like my son has a recent diet, like autoimmune diagnosis. That is a life or death diagnosis. And like, I cannot be far from him and I can't show up to things all the time. And like, if I can't even imagine being in a forced community like that right now, going through what I'm going through. Yeah. And it's trauma. It's trauma inducing. But again, think about, you know, the, the, where your intention was Rachel yeah. when you were doing that what was your intention around it? it I mean it was like I was thinking about this today too just like how it's from Baron, right like if something's not working you're not doing enough yoga you're not meditating enough yeah. and so my intention was like well this is good for people they need yeah. to show up and be leaders in the community they need to be practicing enough to have real transformations in their life and if they're not showing up enough they're not being a yes for themselves and being a stand for something bigger like I was just super my intention was like it's good for them exactly the more like life will be better for them if they're doing more yoga and doing more meditation and doing more and it's like no actually not right true at all but listen to this all of you who have a studio owner this is where their head is at you know if they're not willing to listen to our podcast or listen to the fact that baptiste might be harmful their head is so far into that this is good it's changing lives it changed my life I'll never stop I know for a fact you know like there it's so true that they can't possibly think that there might be some harm. So there hope though, folks, there is hope because yeah, within the of weeks, what is it like three new affiliate owners like that we know have reached out to us and they're not where we are yet, but they're somewhere and they're they're asking questions fully in and and asking questions is the first thing. Yes. Yeah. I would say, like, I'm just putting myself in that position. If I was a teacher and teaching for affiliate studio, studio owner, and I wanted to keep and continue that. And you've done this, Shelly. You can talk about this, too. But I think I would, I, I would have appreciated, let's say it this way. I would have appreciated my teachers coming to me and saying, you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing that Baptist yoga is manipulative and this and that, whatever it is they're saying, like, I, I just want to bring that to your attention, you know? And I might've gone like, oh no, you're full of shit. I might've done that. I don't, I can't say for sure. 
but that's all you can really do. Cause I know that confronting people and saying like, this is a fucking cult, you're indoctrinated, you know, it's probably not going to go over well. No. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do, Shelly? How did you handle it? Oh, well, not the way that I, not the way that I would do if I had it to do over again. Um, <laughs> well, tell us how it went. Story time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just left. I just left. I just left. You didn't studio. bother to communicate anything. No. And Which just is fine. I have a relationship with the owner where it's not that I think it would have gone badly with her because I think we would have had conversations and she would have listened. It was just, I was going through so much on my own that I didn't have, that I wasn't able to spend the energy to educate her. Yeah. Um, I wasn't willing to. Um, then the studio that I did stay at this is pretty telling. The reason I stayed was because I knew nobody was going to bug me. And these are all the people in my life who've remained silent. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like all these people I did with and I led retreats with all this stuff and they've all stayed silent. Yeah. And it's just kind of funny because that's why I went there in the first place because I knew no one would make me talk about it. And because I guess it's just the culture there of like, we don't talk about things. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb, not with that studio in particular, but just there's like a general kind of um, bypassing, I, don't, I think is the right word, where it's like, okay, well, uh, if you're not, you know, you don't have something positive to say, then don't say anything at all, you know, or like a very Buddhist kind of thing, like, you know, whatever happens, whatever rises, passes, you know, and I have to say, like, there are elements of that kind of thinking that are also made to keep people silent. Mm -hmm. They're made to keep people from getting into an uproar about what ha is happening. If you tell, convince them that whatever arises also passes. It's a very kind of yep. spiritual way to be. And there's also, I think a lot of people that are hiding behind that, in my opinion, yeah, no, um, no, for sure. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Are, are people who have, who was it that said this? I think it may have been on that podcast that Nick was on, um, where somebody was saying, you know, how smart is it that Baron named this after himself? Because so many teachers, a lot of people who aren't even affiliated with Baron at all, but have hitched their wagon to Baptiste Yoga. So the retreats they're leading or the coaching that they're doing or the trainings they're going in studios and doing, like they're all so tied up in this person's relationship to Baptiste Yoga and their affiliation that this person just has like in there, I think what they feel is too much to risk to be able to say something. So they're the don't say anything people. Absolutely. I mean, think about how many tens of thousands of dollars we all spent and then to go, you know what? It, I'm giving it all up, which means no Baptiste in my bio, which means there's no credibility to or evidence that of anything that I've done because it's all related and it's all got his name on it. And to the person who said we were trying to create our career by trying to burn our old one down, that's a common, common thought. You know, like, oh, they're just trying to get famous by like burning down Baptiste yoga. But literally, there is nothing to gain here. There's like no market for that there. And, um, you know, yeah. we are only here for uh, the question number one how do we protect people well, against parents? That's why we're here. Yeah. yeah. And I like to that same person, I literally have some of what they have said pulled up <laughs> but it's like the hundreds of people that we are hearing from outweigh what you're saying yeah to this part like yes it's not it's not like us trying to gain a career from this and like literally if you think that if you are listening you know who you are saying that we're dramatizing and righteous and bringing entertainment value and just trying to have a cathartic experience 
please then come to us and we will send you the literal hundreds and hundreds of messages from people from abuse and trauma that they have experienced yeah. from Baron and from Baptiste yoga and from your studio. Yeah. From your studio. And let's, let's just say the people who haven't come to you directly from your studio are too afraid to come to you. Exactly. They either just walked away or they're too afraid to say anything because there's nowhere else where they can teach yoga. And they've only been trained in Baptiste yoga. Yep. Yep. Because they're talking. Yeah. And you can't call yourself a trauma-informed leader if you're not listening to people who have experienced trauma Mm -hmm. from your studio and the organization you worked for. Yeah. I'm pissed if you can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it's, why wouldn't you be pissed, you know? Like we have every right to be pissed and especially witnessing people trying to uh, silence other people's experiences and trauma Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's not convenient for them. Yeah. So on the fame note, we are um, wrapping up season one. So next Mm -hmm. is our finale. Mm -hmm. and um like I said on the fame note so Rachel and Melissa are going to continue going with season two and I can't cut ties you know officially because I love spending this time with you all too much but I'm not joining season two I'll come back for special appearances (laughs) from time to time but as you all move forward with season two I'll I'll be turning into a to an active listener yay we're gonna miss you we are going to miss you, but you're just a Zoom call away. Yes. I'm sure you'll come <laughs> back for some special guest appearances, Shelly. It'll be one of, the, one of those where I guest star all the time. I'll be like, oh, you know, I want to be on the call. <laughs> you know, FOMO, yeah. FOMO. Um, yeah. So our next episode is going to be our season one finale. And we'll be back with season two. We're lining it all up and we're so excited for the guests we have coming uh, on for season two and some yeah it's gonna be awesome if you have any other requests for us feel free to reach out to us in uh our instagram at yoga cults pod and dm us from from there if you have any stories that you want to share with us if you have any requests of things that you would like to talk about um if you want to come on the podcast and tell your story we have some amazing guests, like Rachel said, coming up and please, every time you write a review and give us a five-star review, um, it helps us to become more visible. So the answer to how to make Baron stop is to make the truth become more visible. So we really appreciate you helping with that. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks guys. Bye. We will be back next week with our final episode of season one. It's going to be an amazing one. In the meantime, please hop over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. We would really, really appreciate it. See you next time on Journey into Yoga Cults.